morning, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Hi, Stacey. How are you? Hey, John. I'm doing well. I am uh, having a, a nice time in North Carolina with a sweltering heat of 90-plus degrees the last couple of weeks while I'm packing up my youngest son, getting him ready to uh, head off to his um, first apartment um, on his own uh, next week. So uh, it's been a busy, busy week. And how about you? Well, yeah, well it's, you know, it's a pandemic time in the midst of a financial crisis. So so it's a, it's it's weirdly interesting. We're figuring out how to have people uh, come to the backyard and stay socially distanced so that we can have a meal six feet away from them. And after... After five months of isolation, it's a it's it's a sweet thing. Can't hug them, you can't say hello, but you can make a little eye contact and yep. feel their presence. Yeah, it's I'm, nice. It's it's amazing how just being able to somewhat be in the same room with people, it, the same area is a better way to put, not even in a room, right? Same area, and you're like, oh, oh, this is contact with again, right? Yeah, it's been quite a process working with my son as he's been trying to find an apartment while this social distancing and, and pandemic, you know, we've been doing virtual tours of apartments and they've been, you know, we've been calling all the utilities virtually and doing everything virtually. And um, yeah, it, everything changes when you've got to try and figure out how you manage life six feet apart with masks and you know, no ability to, to really sort of know the environment that sometimes you're heading into. So it's, it's a whole new world, right. That we're, that we're working in. Um, but, we are figuring out how to move forward in it, um, which I think, you know, we're hearing from around the world that, you know, every economy is trying to figure out how to take a step forward while still acknowledging that many, many people are um, sick and losing their lives during this time because of it. And so we have to be very, very cautious. Um, but the numbers aren't looking good. You, you just sent me some details on the economy that are just blowing me away today. You, this was probably the sort of the worst numbers we've seen in a while. Talk a little bit about this, John, because this was your your conversation about how big this, well, this the, is. If we haven't really sort of grasped it, right? Yeah, yeah. The the GDP numbers today said that the economy contracted thirty two percent last quarter. In the last 90 days, the economy ran at 60% of its capacity. Uh, and uh, that's the worst decline in 200 years. Uh, nobody has ever seen anything like it. I, I would guess that, that people, are, people are blown away and scratching their heads. This is devastating news. This is this is this, this is Deeper than the great, the the deepest hole of the Great Depression, and you know, you and I look, you and I took a quick review through the the 200 years of numbers that are out there, and it's never the case that the economy bounces right back up to the top. So, so this is going to be this news today is going to be a driving force in the election. Yeah. And you'll never hear the end of it. What thirty-two point nine, I think, is the total. You'll never hear the end of that number. Um, yeah. yeah, 
I will have to say it, it was when when I when I sort of opened up the the sort of the, the the image on internet and you look at the chart just for the last 50 years, not even 200 years, and you look at the red line dropping right and you know everything else is kind of you know minus two minus four and this drops down to minus 9.5 percent comparatively right like from quarter to quarter which is a 32 percent drop from the previous quarter and it's 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 literally like four levels down from where everything else is at. It completely goes off the chart. Like it makes the entire chart look so tiny. This is the kind of chart where as a statistician, you're like, oh, this doesn't even equate. You, you, can't, you can't even fit it on it, right? <laughs> so it's, yeah, right. it's, it's pretty eye-popping is a good way to put it, right? Yeah. What is yeah. this, I mean, yeah. from, from your perspective, what is this, this is the GDP. So, so GDP is sort of the amount of money that we spend. Right. And, and no, in the, no, no, in the no, 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 but it's the money that changes hands between companies and across borders, is uh, okay. uh, across state okay. borders, is the is is that, and so so there's a huge drop in consumer spending. People got put out of work, and uh, you know there's some fuzziness in whether or not those numbers are right. But there are a lot of people who are unemployed, so spending stops when unemployment goes up on the consumer level. Um, but this is. This is a 32.9% contraction while the economy was um, was consuming $3 trillion uh, to keep it afloat. And so, so this number, this number is a number after the greatest economic stimulus anybody ever injected into an economy. <laughs> so, so so the stimulus was a failure. Um, and and we're in trouble. We're in, we're in serious trouble. The 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 depression it took ten years of steep unemployment to get to the depression. It was an entirely different world than the kind of one that we've been living in with all sorts of different economic expectations. Yeah, they're, they're saying a, that the numbers were at 1.43 million filed new state unemployment claims last week. So this goes along with the continued decrease of open positions and people filing for, for new unemployment as well, correct? Yep, that's right. That's right. This is this is a, a, um, a monumental change. And, you know, I think I think just to shift it into the to the industry news, Qualtrics is being sold by SAP, and and while for my money it's a it's a good idea strategically, I think it tells you that SAP needs cash, and SAP needs cash because because their numbers are not as good as they might be. 
that's definitely been the conversation, right? This is one of the biggest announcements that came out on Sunday. Um, SAP announced that it's in, intending to take Qualtrics public through an initial public offering. Um, and that, which for those who do sort of follow our industry as much, I mean, they just bought Qualtrics 18 months ago, right, um, for an unheard of amount in the industry. Um, you know, it was, um, I want to say, $8 billion, right? Yeah, therefore, um, the, the investment of $8 billion. And, you know, this taking it public conversation, right, I mean, the idea when they originally bought it was that they were going to take one of the biggest industry surveying and engagement platform sort of tools out of the play of their partners. Um, they had lots of relationships with other, you know, ERP and um, HR technology vendors in the space. And so now as an SAP acquisition, it became sort of um, their primary partner. SA, um, Qualtrics grew by 40% um, their revenue in the last um 18 months since it was purchased. So this is not a matter that SAP or that Qualtrics hasn't been sort of, I think, bringing in the kind of revenue they expected. Um, and now this sort of decision. And I agree with you. I think for, for everybody who's been watching this, this makes people feel more comfortable that Qualtrics will continue to innovate and Qualtrics will be able to. And I, I should make a note that we are, a, I'm a customer of Qualtrics. We use it for the um, annual HR system survey. So this was not unpleasant news for me as a, as a customer or as an analyst. I think it's going to give more life to what Qualtrics can do and the partners it can have. But at the end of the day, at some level, yes, SAP is going to get some money back, but they will have lost some money on this deal as well as cachet, would you say, as well as you know, sort of the kind of turmoil that transition takes through these kind of things, won't they? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. It always struck me as dumb that, Qualtrics would be inside of SAP um, because if Qualtrics is part of SAP, a whole lot of people aren't going to have access to it. Yeah. Right. And and so so it is the best visualization tool out there. I don't know. I don't know that that at their size they're actually capable of innovation. But that, that's that's that, that's a somewhat separate topic. They're, they've been very successful. They're very big. It's a novel way of looking at things. It, it requires specialty training to be able to use it well. And its market is bigger than SAP, and it was constrained by being seen as a part of SAP. So this is probably really good for Qualtrics. And, and I think that the market in general agrees with you on this. I, don't, I haven't heard anyone say this is a bad move. I have heard them say, you know, why did they make the move in the first place to make the purchase? And I think so. there's been back and forth as whether that was good or not. Um, but I think to your other point and the earlier point that we were discussing is that the economic, you know, environment lends itself to being more cautious about, you know, what you're doing internally and and where you want to get cash in your organization, correct? I mean, that's a big big driver when you're thinking about an economic downturn. And one of the stats that came out in this particular article about the economy that that I was looking at is that Germany, which the two biggest audiences without a doubt for the SAP market is Germany and the United States. Germany is also seeing you know a big hit. Their economy had its biggest slump in 50 years, uh, obviously, like many other countries did. So. This seems like 
you know, having cash on hand for SAP would probably be a big good thing right now, right? Yep. Yep. It's a it's a it's a big old uh, player, and the leadership transition has been brutal. Just been brutal for them. So so so. We'll watch this closely. What's the next one? Well, I think there's a couple of other things going on. You know, we saw this week lots of stuff uh, considering how much change is happening in the market. Um, one of the companies that you and I both watch on a regular basis, Modern Hire, some of you might have known it as um, uh, Shaker Assessments previously, um, is expanding its global footprints with the acquisition of automated video interviewing tool um, provider Sunru. We also saw this week that Paradox, which is another sort of talent management type of organization, um, is bolstering their board of directors by adding uh, former Workday and SAP executives and renowned Stanford University professor. So we're talking about you know the expansion of this talent space and and I think trying to reinvent it in this in this new market. We also saw Infosys. Um, last week launch, uh, Reskill and Restart. It's um, a solution to reskill the American workforce. Um, but part of the reason it caught my eye is they are partnering with Pymetrics, which is someone that uh, we both know, a, a, a really interesting organization in the talent space, along with um, Merit America, Perscolis, uh, Perscolis, and Reviture and Waz Enterprises. So there's some interesting stuff going on there about creating a platform for reskilling going on from the Infosys team. Um, and then there's a whole group of things happening in the small SMB payroll space. Uh, Zenefits launched some new tools. We saw Paychex launch some new capabilities for the PPP loan forgiveness model. We're seeing Paylocity. Again, all of those really small SMB markets unveiling new brand identity. Um, so lots of stuff going on this week that we um, – haven't seen for a while, I guess, is, is a good way to put it. Is there a particular one of these that sort of sparks your interest as we talk about how the economy is sort of playing out in the HR tech market? Well, this, this uh, um, let's see, reskill and restart, the innovative solution to reskill the American workforce. Um, there are a bunch of these endeavors out there. There are a whole bunch of these endeavors out there, and um, they're rarely run um, in a way that works. You know, they, they tend to be thought up by people who don't understand the employment market. Um, um, and maybe maybe the simplest way to say they don't understand the employment market is they don't have any sense about how job boards work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, and so... So this is a great intellectual idea. The question is, how do you find the people who need the jobs? How do you tell if they're going to be good at the jobs? I think that's the part they probably have um, or claim to have, that that they can find the um, – that you can understand who will be good at a different kind of job and what skills they need, um, and then you have to get them the jobs, right? So they have the, they have some of the middle piece maybe, but the thing doesn't work with the middle piece. The middle piece is like the meat grinder, right? Um, first you need the meat, then you need somebody to eat it, 
<laughs> and the fact that you can grind it doesn't really help. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting for the meat grinder is useless without meat and people to eat the meat. Um, and, and so, so these sol- solutions like this never address the actual execution realities. Um, yeah, it's about job so, creation as well, right? That's the other side of what you're saying, right? Like there has to be jobs for this. To, I mean, we, so the Pymetrics involvement here, I think, is that the matching part and Frida Foley, who both of us know, has an amazing sort of uh, background in really understanding how you think about, you know, diversifying workforces, but that still requires a a need for the for the for the amount of workers that they're going to be pulling out of it. Correct? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, so so let me let me stop you there. I don't think there's anything about Pymetrics that I've seen that helps um, a restaurant worker understand what they need to do to be a computer programmer, right? That's a that's that's a skills matching kind of thing that you might expect out of Workday, for instance. Um, what Pymetrics does, as I understand it, is sort of personality testing, right? Um, fancy personality testing. So they yeah. can tell you if somebody will be suited to a job, perhaps, perhaps if there is such a thing as that. Um, but they don't, they don't do reskilling or, or identify which technical skills you need to do a new job. Um, and so maybe emphasis although that doesn't seem like um, an emphasis strength either. It'd be, it'd be really interesting to get a deeper briefing on this because, because I don't understand how the pieces go together now that I look at it. Um, it doesn't have meat, it doesn't have consumers for the meat, and it's got a grinder in the middle that... Um, that I can't tell what it does from, from this from this press release. Yeah. Well, that seems to be, I think, a, a, um, something we're seeing from a lot of these kind of press releases, right? Like, like, like they spatter in a few partnerships, a few relationships, some technology, and you're not exactly sure what will come out of it, right? And, and I think that's even the bigger message, which is there's a lot of things being thrown at the wall. What's going to stick is, is a, is the real conversation, right? Which is, to me, the most interesting thing of happening in the SMB payroll space because unlike some of these talent management conversations and these sort of reskilling conversations in the SMB payroll area, the things they're adding, the things they're sort of investing in right now are, are very timely, absolutely, you know, sort of critical things that you're seeing come up because you know, they're dealing on a day-to-day basis with these small businesses, which are the fastest um, place for seeing the impact of the economy hit, right? Um, you know, right. paycheck-specific, you know, new enhancement is they've created a loan forgiveness solution to produce signature-ready applications for the PPP loans that went out, you know, um, as you said, the economy is being bolstered by a lot of this investment in the industry, and just the maintenance and management of those sort of paperwork you need for those loans has caused a lot of angst for many of these small businesses. Um, and that's where Paychex is investing its time and energy because it's a very, very real and tactical need right now. 
Um, those kind of investments seem to be reasonable, but do you think that um, they're not going to get us out of this, this, this next conversation, which you were just talking about, which is how do I get the people who have the capabilities and the skills matched up with the people who have jobs? This is really just about sustaining current state, correct? Right. This is just, this is just about um, staying current. The, the question about how do we, we we're just now starting to have the earliest grasp of how big the problem is that we're going to have to solve. And it's going to involve moving people who used to work in one area into another. This is, remember in the Great Depression, they had the Work Projects Act, of people who used to do whatever um, could get jobs building stuff, basically. Um, we're going to have to have some version of the Work Projects Act to move people from one um, discipline to another. Um, it will probably involve some people relocating. It's going to be it's going to be it's going to be the story of our lives by the time all is said and done, uh, because this is going to be this is going to be transformative in the ugliest possible way. Um, and and so so the the innovations that people are doing now are what you do when you can't figure out what that big picture looks like just said. We'll have a we'll have a clearer notion of how deep the hole is that we're in by election time. Um, and and then once all that's done then we're gonna start digging out. Yeah. The the interesting thing I think around a lot of this is that um much of this was on its way already before I think we started down the road of the pandemic, right? Much of the shift of the economy, the shift of the job skills requirements, the shift of the roles that people were needing inside their organizations, this accelerated what was already, um, I think, in you know, at the at the starting point in many organizations. I was just talking to um, had my ankle worked on not long ago. Had a physical therapist. Um, and he's talking about his wife going back to work um, and that the work she does in the medical field can all be done from home. And her boss is really adamant that everybody comes back into the office. He didn't close the office the entire time. She was off because she was um, having a new child. And she's a little concerned about going back to the office. And the big conversation he's having is, well, now there's a lot more organizations that do what she does, what she has capabilities for, that is offering work from home opportunities, which means she can get jobs all over the country. And so he's in hope that she will be able to find a job where she can work from home more safely, not have to go back to the office with the existing job. And I just thought that's an interesting conversation to have that we're going to start seeing some of these shifts around who can work where and when, and will that also have an impact on this? I think to your point, people moving or changing around or having to be retrained in a lot of jobs. Uh, this will require changing how we think about work, and that's a conversation that we've been having a lot of, but we haven't really talked about how painful that change will be for many you know, leaders and for many organizations that don't understand how to do that, right? Yeah, so far, so far our conversation has really been um, – how do we get the existing workforce to learn new stuff? Right. Yeah. There's there's been 
there's been no thinking about how do we take um, uh, racial inequality or uh, financial inequality um, and resolve that while we're moving people from one state of being to another state of being. But that's now going to be something that's beyond the control of the companies, really beyond the control of the companies. And and it's going to become a national problem to solve in some way. There's a there's a one of the one of the other things that's in the news is there's a chamber of commerce program that does something very similar to what the Primetrics and Infosys um, uh, deal is, but they've got 300 major employers involved in building the tools necessary to reskill the workforce, and so. So I think I would bet that by the end of the year, this is the only thing that we'll be talking about. Is yeah. is everybody's everybody's new tool to move the uh, economy forward. And that's, not just move the economy, not just move it forward. I, I think you know your example of sort of the the sort of the shift that had to take when. Place when we were coming out of the depression, which was basically moving much of what was um, workers who were in, you know, farming communities or in environments that where there was a lot of manual labor into more automated workforces, right? We're taking that same kind of leap into what will probably be a more service-based industry, more health-focused, more sort of personalized kind of industry because we are building out more automation through this process. Um, yeah, so these, these skill conversations will also be about retraining how management works and retraining how businesses are designed, which we've been talking about for some time, but it's always seemed like that's 10 years, 20 years down the road. This has considerably sped that up, don't you think? I do, I do. Well, let's hope it's sped it up <laughs> because, because this is this is this is – this is so dark that it's impossible to get that glove, right? That, that's, yeah. that's, that is a piece of bad news that's so bad that you can't even process it is what 32.9% decline in the economy means. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, we're, you know, we're in the right place because a whole lot of this is going to be solved in and around HR departments over the coming years. HR will be at the center of this in a way that I don't think, because there, there wasn't an HR, I think, that was as strong as this HR community has been in the last several downturns. You know, the, the most recent, 2008, 2009, I think we were just getting to a point where the idea of a strategic HR, I mean, I can remember we were, we were just five years out from sort of the why I hate HR article at that point in time. Um, so we were just getting to a point of, strategic HR conversations in 2008. Today, strategic HR is seen as an expected in any large normal organization. And, you know, the, that's the place where these kind of conversations will be coming from. Um, and, and strategic HR means that you are partnering at a much higher level with operations, with business leaders, and as well with even, you know, industry leaders and people in your community as well. So it's, 
this is a place to be, um, but it will be stressful. There's going to be a lot of retraining of HR professionals as well. So I think that, you know, that's a place we're going to see a, a lot of interest from HRs. How do I gain the skills I need to have these kind of conversations, Frank? Yep. Yep. This is, um, this is a watershed. This is an actual watershed moment right now. It's going to be, Next next week's news ought to be really juicy, actually. Um, so, great conversation, and let's do it again next week. Looking forward to it. You maybe hopefully a little more cheerful look, news. <laughs> <laughs> Cheer, try. Cheerful, cheerful, cheerful's been hard to find. It is. It's really it been hard to just find. Me yeah. after all. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so cool you've been listening to HR, um, HR Tech Weekly One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter we'll see you back here next week bye bye now bye everyone thanks <laughs>